0: The following story contains sexually explicit material and is intended for adult audiences. Artistic Whispers Productions presents Let us make man in our own image, you said God. Glory done. We create God. We, God. we, we create God. Man, dear gentlemen, return the favor. You're listening to Sculpting God, a podcast anthology written and read by J. Daniel Sawyer. These stories contain enough terror, sex, violence, and wonder to keep you awake all night. Sculpting God. Snakes the most feared creatures in the world. Some of the ones that won't poison you are big enough to suffocate you. They can shed their skin, and most ancient cultures saw them as symbols of rebirth, wisdom, and immortality. We've all heard stories about snakes, and one story in particular. Once upon a time, when the world was new, a man and woman ran naked in a garden until everything was ruined by a serpent and an apple. That's the story we've all heard, but it's not the real story. Only one woman knows everything, and she's definitely not to be trusted. After all, she's not afraid of snakes. But if you really want to know what happened, then you'll have to listen to Lilith.
1: You say I am the night hag, the bewitching moonlight, the child-eater who causes crib-death. You say I am the woman your husbands see at the temple when they are seeking something more than you can give. It is true that I seduce, and I destroy, but I am unjustly maligned for both. It is your jealousy which pushes me into the darkness, makes for me the role which I play, It keeps me at the edge of your firelight and behind the ghouls and the stories you tell your young men. You are the daughters of man, but I am the daughter of the earth. I came first. And that was why he hated me. I awoke in the ground, the mud crumbling off me in the drying Mesopotamian sun. I knew nothing at first but the sun on my skin and the breath in my lungs, a lavender fire. I heard his breath, but I did not yet know what breath was. The date palms above filtered the light onto dozens of fractured dancing spears, warm on my thighs, my face, my vulva, my toes. I awoke on the ground and came out of the earth and heard the voice whose breath had awoken me whispering secrets into my head. I alone was given the power of creation, the dominion of immortality. I was the voice's delight in the world, wrapped up in clay, and the man on the ground beside me was the order of life, and from the intercourse of chaos and order would come the future of the universe. We were the progenitors. And so we awoke. I looked down on him and touched him. I had never touched anything before and his skin felt like water that never ripples. I ran my fingers over his brows, behind his ears, down his body. I watched him grow in my hands as I pulled back his foreskin. I felt him twitch and gasp as I probed him and I heard his voice for the first time when I touched his knees, and he cried out and sat upright. Bewilderment and sunlight danced in his eyes. We had, as yet, no language but touch and gesture, and yet, for one moment, we understood each other. In later years, when he was old and dying, he would tell his sons how he took my hand and led me to the water where we bathed and explored, and where he took me before he discarded me on the way to something better. An old man needs his ego as comfort, perhaps, before he dies and is no more. But he did not take my hand, nor did he ravish me on the riverbank. I took his hand, and then I washed his body, and then I mounted him and pulled the life from him, and we melted into another for the first time. I fell asleep on top of him, His cock, still warm inside me, our connection unbroken. It did not happen again. He was order, and I was chaos. We woke up and he felt himself pinned by my weight and he panicked. He pushed me off, stood up limply and stumbled into the stream to speak to the voice of the forest. As he spoke, we learned language. Both hearing the voice, our minds were bent into grammar and we knew sin. The fear of an animal who awoke under a weight became the hatred of a man, insecure and scorned, who needed order to dominate all, even chaos. The voice told him that the way of things was for creation to come out of chaos and order. As the voice's word dipped into the formless chaos and begat the world, so the man would dip into the woman and together beget the future. The chaos and order were co-creators, each one intertwined, flowing into and shaping the other. But orderly minds are rarely sensible. When I looked at the birds pecking the dates, I saw the flow of life and death in violence and birth, the tension of forces always threatening to break loose, the wings of the bird pushed against the air, a constant dance of dominance. He looked at them and he saw taxonomy and patterns, the repetition of the feathers and the geometry, the elegance of form-fit function, the imperfections that served to reinforce the structure. But when he looked at me, he saw not the lover who had awoken him, the harmony with whom his voice would make a symphony, the saxophone solo on the bed of his bass line. He saw the destruction of all that he was. He saw surrender to forces he could not control, the death of the orderly world that he already saw about him. He looked at me with murder in his eyes, and he saw his death. Until then, there had been no word for death. He plunged through the river towards me. He was larger and faster uh, and caught me. He threw me to the ground uh, and sank into me, uh, conquering chaos uh, and restoring order uh, to the world. Uh, uh, but wrapped around him, lost in the feeling still so uh, new, uh, I rolled over and rode uh, him, and I screamed uh, as he came in. Uh, I looked down at him, covered in sweat, and felt the sun and the breeze on my back blowing my hair around me. And I loved him. The struggle was what I was made for. Lilith, the Chaos Dragon, the Leviathan of the Deep, looking down at Adam the Namer, the orderly man who rises above the beasts. I laid beside him and looked at him as he wrestled with his pride. And I fell asleep while he struggled. (sighs) On the third day of the world, I awoke again to his voice. It was not the voice of warmth and passion that I had heard before. It did not laugh, or cry out, or groan, or coo softly at me. It was cold.
0: You will not do that again.
1: He was stern and unsympathetic. What would you have me not do? I could not decide whether to be frightened or pity him.
0: When we are together, you will stay beneath me.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't help myself. I laughed out loud, and loud enough to scare the birds. And once I started laughing, I couldn't stop. His humiliation and scorn grew as my mirth abounded, until he couldn't contain himself.
0: You will not do it again. Dominion is mine. I cannot fulfill my task. When your chaos rules me, you will subject yourself to me. I will guide your fertility
1: as has been commanded. There had been no such command. I was not his charge. Nor would he be mine. We were meant to be partners, co-equals in the birthing of the world. I was not his pet. I was not his child. If anything, I was his senior. I gazed at him levelly, his fury barely contained, and I felt myself grow cold. I will not be your plaything. And by El, you will not be my master. I turned. I walked away. "'carried on the winds by the power of the name I had uttered. "'I did not stop until I reached the sea, "'where I hid myself in the coral "'and birthed the children he had given me. "'From time to time, the voice's messengers would entreat, "'telling me he was distraught and alone, "'but he never came for me himself. "'I could only assume that the voice wanted me with the man "'more than the man did. "'Stupid pride and self-martyrdom,' the petulance that affects the very young of both sexes and also men. It was when they stopped that I knew the voice had given up. The man had a new woman. The waters of the earth were my new domain, and I saw her first when she stepped into the river to bathe, long-limbed, with a carriage that I would later come to associate with shyness. She seemed chaste even at first glance, unrealized potential. I saw her pale skin, a canvas for him to mark or not as he saw fit. And I knew that he owned her. He would get nothing from her, no help, no challenge. She would lay down on her back for him and spread her legs and sigh as he fucked her. She was a beast, no more than a fair-bodied monkey. She wanted favor. It was what she lived for. She did not even touch herself as she bathed, keeping her garden only for his enjoyment and not for her own. I was appalled. And, at the same time, I suddenly understood him. How he could be fulfilled with such a strumpet standing in for a partner, I will never know. But I looked at her, and I burned. I wanted her. I wanted to take her and own her, to grind myself into her and devour her. This was the chaos he craved, the kind he could pretend he controlled, a chaos with no will of its own, a brand to throw onto his fire and extinguish at will, a mop for his juices when his hand would not suffice. I saw her, and my mouth was dry. I would have her, or he would not. Her potential was too delicious, and I would not sit by while she, who had the same organs as I, who was a creator to his governor, just as I, was wasted on petty functionalism. I would have her and make her scream and bring the woman out of her. But the beast warned me. They told me that he bade her beware of the night hag, the dark woman who would steal her away if she strayed too far. She was never far from him, and never at night. She would never listen to me. I needed another. Of all the shapes the voice had ever given, the python was the most vexing for man. I think perhaps because the python reminded him of me. Not because it was a simple beast, one of the dumbest of all the creatures, but because its movements are lithe and its eyes darken deep. It appears subtle and crafty. Its kiss is arresting. Its embrace is death, and it swallows its prey whole. It knows only hunger. I had an affinity for such a beast. I could well imagine myself as one, had I no mind. But the beauty of such an animal is its willingness, its pliability, its utter subjection in the face of suggestion. It takes direction well, and it enchants those who do not flee from it right away. I found it in the garden hiding in the branches of the forbidden tree. The voice had not demanded anything of its stewards, but that they avoid this tree. It had given us effigies of its power, creation, order, and mindfulness, but the voice withheld from us its sense of purpose, its knowledge of the universe. The tree itself had no special powers. It was the symbol of the separation of our dominion from its. Ours was the world. Its was the universe. We were not meant to understand this, or, in understanding— to not aspire to more. I understood this, but I did not want more. But then, I was not created for ordering things. The tree stood, tall and broad, at the center of the garden, and it stood next to the tree from which the man and woman took their food. We all three had been given a choice. We could have life, or we could have ambition, but we could not have both. The desire to rule the world was our gift and duty. The desire to bend the universe to our will, to climb the crystal spheres and breach the ocean between the domes, belonged to the voice alone. But bereft of her natural appetite to possess herself, the woman had no recourse. Her life was worthless to her, and she didn't even know it. The serpent could show her the way. (sighs) So I came to him, and seduced him. He latched onto me and wrapped around me and writhed over my body. But I did not die. In his embrace, I gave to him the power of speech, and he gave to me the power of step. We locked body to body for days, and I bent him to my will as he bent my body in ecstasy, and I owned him as Adam owned his woman and then she came with my boldness and voice the serpent draped lazily on the limb near the lowest hanging fruit she saw him in the tree she had always dutifully avoided and she came to him a curious creature she had never before beheld he saw her and he knew her body because he knew mine he knew the appetites that burned beneath her placid complacent exterior He saw how easily her skin could bruise, and he spoke my words to her as I watched. Why Why have you come here? he asked her. Nothing may live in this tree. It is death to
0: touch, and yet there you are talking to me. What are you? Why are you here? I live live in this tree, tree, and all knowledge is mine. I am the guardian of the gates of heaven. I sort the worthy from the unworthy.
1: I'm not worthy. You have no need to fear me, she said, transfixed on his eyes and his tongue. I could smell her through his mind.
0: I I fear fear nothing. nothing. I I merely advise advise and decide. decide. Is it true that the knowledge of the voice will kill you? I am but a servant, created for a task. Obedience is life and life abundant. Knowledge is death to me. I am not meant for it. I have no use for such things. Would you, would you not, not know the rapture, the rapture of an exploding, exploding sun, sun that makes, makes your petty, petty orgasms seem like droplets in a pond? Would you, would you not know the pain of birthing, of birthing a, a universe, universe rather, than rather than a mere, mere child? child? Would
1: you, would you
0: leave such understanding, understanding when it is, when is real real here within your grasp? Your grasp?
1: I willed the snake closer to her, and it flicked its tongue at her navel, smelling her anticipation. I knew I had her. Such Such knowledge knowledge is is life life itself.
0: To be be without it is death most truly.
1: I did not lie to her. The serpent did not lie with my voice. I merely withheld from her the truth, that such knowledge was already hers, but she was too timid to enjoy it. I did not tell her that it was ambition that the fruit symbolized, because in her there was no ambition. She was not a person she was a beast and it was a travesty she looked achingly at the fruit and equally achingly at me or at the serpent through whose eyes i stared at her i saw every inch of her and i knew her mind i saw the quiver in her lips the trembling of her hands the shake in her knees as she fought against herself The tears in her eyes as she suddenly realized that she had been cheated. My work was done. She could have walked away then, and known all that she should have known from the beginning. She might never have fallen. She would have been woman as woman was meant to be. Creator. The power of life to his power of death. The bringer of chaos out of which order is built. She would have been all that and more, but she did not know that, and she might have walked away in her ignorance, her pig-headed mockery of innocence, her vile, scraping submission, and never thought on it again. Her enlightenment was my revenge, but it was also her salvation. She would know. If death was her only salvation, then death it would be. The fruit fruit will not not kill you. you. It was true. It would only unwind her immortality. By itself, it would not kill her. It would only plant the corruption and ambition that would force the voice to kill her. And the voice should have known better. It should have never settled for her. Its plans needed a father and a mother, not a father and a breeder. Chaos and order and symmetry and struggle. Not the plunder of chaos for raw materials. I did not lie to her. Treachery to the man was one thing, treachery to the voice I could justify. Treachery to her, this delicate, delicious, and sensual trapped woman, this sister whose life I wished to share, whose body I wished to join, treachery to her was unthinkable. I nearly turned away, nearly told her to go and ponder but I knew that he would package her mind right back into the comfortable box I had nearly opened. Death would be her salvation. There was no other way. The fruit, the fruit is, is beautiful. Its taste is beyond, beyond other precious. pleasures. Eat. Yes. She took it. She sank her teeth into it, and blood ran down the outside oh. as its sharp skin cut into her gums. She trembled and grabbed the tree for support, and she quaked and shook and screamed in delight and amazement. She fell to the ground and dropped the fruit, the convulsions overtaking her and burning her mind with ecstasy. As she lay there below the limb, I moved the serpent down onto her body, and it crawled off into the bush as I released my hold on it, savoring every inch of her before I did. As she lay there, dazzled and incoherent, I went to her and picked up the fruit. I licked her blood from its skin, the only part of her body I would ever touch with my own. Then I set it down, and I turned my back, and I walked into the world.
0: You have been listening to Lilith, written and directed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Stephanie Sawyer played Lilith, and Kitty Nakian played Eve. Adam and the Serpent were both played by the author. Music kindly furnished by Podsafe Music Network-affiliated artist Green Druid. Opening quote by Voltaire. Some sound effects courtesy the Free Sound Project. Foley, sound design, recording, mixing, and post-production services for Lilith, courtesy Artistic Whispers Productions, Castro Valley, California. This production is copyright 2008 Artistic Whispers Productions and is available under a Creative Commons Non-Commercial Attribution No Derivatives 3.0 license. And the story upon which it is based is copyright 2005, J. Daniel Sawyer. All rights reserved to the author. I love pythons. I've even owned a few. They're about as powerful a pet as you can get without having to feed them every day. They're a challenge and they give killer neck massages. Sometimes literally. And they're beautiful creatures. They're also very slow and extremely stupid and make great props for photo shoots. Like Angels Unawares, this story grew out of a photo shoot and an ancient legend that most people haven't heard about. The Talmud tells the story of Adam's first wife Lilith, who probably began life as a Babylonian goddess, who was kicked out of the garden for refusing to stay on the bottom during sex. Perhaps not Judaism's first feminist, but certainly one of its more memorable ones. I hope you enjoyed the story. Send feedback to feedback at jdsawyer.net and keep up with my authorial doings at www.jdsawyer.net. Until next time. Sculpting Guide is written and directed by J. Daniel Sawyer. Web design, production, and post-production services provided by Artistic Whispers Productions, Castor Valley, California. Visit our website at www.artisticwhispers.com. Theme music for this podcast provided by Podsafe Music Network-affiliated artists 100-Year Picnic and 2012.
2: Hey everybody, J.C. Hutchins here. What's up guys, this is Seth Harwood. And And we're we're here here to pump you up. up.
3: That's right, guys. This is the moment
2: and the time to act is now. Your podcaster has let us invade this feed for one time only because our boy, the godfather of podcast fiction, the dark overlord himself, Scott Sigler, needs all our help. What we have here is a narrow window. Call it a moment in time where sales of infected absolutely need to pop.
3: Just think of it like the whole first two weeks of April this year are April Fool's Day, Sigler Day, Palm Sunday, and the birth of the beta clone army all rolled into one. What Scott needs to do is hit the New York Times bestseller list to ensure that newspapers across the country and media outlets are wondering out loud to their subscribers what hit the world of publishing and where Scott Sigler and podcast fiction came from. That's right. This is next level stuff here, folks.
2: We need to make sure Sigler's bump in U.S. stores and online is even bigger than what happened when we all bought Ancestor. And so far, we're close, but we haven't gotten there. This is from the Dark Overlord himself.
3: Now, since Scott Sigler's not here, um, I'll just do my Sigler.
2: In fact, it is in
3: stores now, and we've got some preliminary numbers in. They're strong, but they're not as strong as they should be, considering the size of Siglerism. So you know what this means, right? This means we aren't finished doing our part yet to get the man up to the New York Times bestseller levels.
2: Here's how it works. With Amazon, we can concentrate all our efforts to push someone up the charts in one day. Amazon works fast like that. But with the New York Times, it can take up to a week, sometimes two, for all the numbers to filter in. And if the numbers aren't kicking down doors, the numbers aren't kicking down doors. Now you know... And
3: we know that Infected is going to take the world by its friggin' short hairs and cut it up with a pair of chicken scissors. But if we get word from General Siglerissimo that the numbers aren't strong as they should be, then that means that he and the friggin' dummies out there in New York aren't getting their bells rung loud enough for them to go deaf yet. And that, guys, is what
2: we want. So get this, today we're telling you that it is okay to go and buy Infected from BarnesandNoble.com, that you can storm Amazon again like you are freaking bats out of hell and your mission is to rattle the very ground that Amazon sits on. That, of course, you can storm local booksellers, but the time and the window is now.
3: Now, people. So tell your friends, tell your enemies, heck, buy copies of Infected and go hit them with it. You're short in the wallet? buy infected on amazon because it's cheaper there we won't mind these are the facts for sigler it's for all of us now if he can kick the door down and get on the new york times bestseller list then it will do wild and wonderful things for all of us podcasting writers and that means more free audio fiction for all of you that's the fact he is for us now and we need to band together
2: the window is short to get this done If we don't hit the times list on the first try, if Scott doesn't nail this thing down the first time out, there might not be a second chance. And would we want that to happen to the general? Do we want to hear him cry? Oh, hell no. Hell no. So help us rock this thing and kick it up into another gear. We rocked Amazon on April 1st, 2007. We got Scott up to number seven on the charts. We kicked him in the nuts on Palm Sunday. And for Sigler, this time around, we only got him up to like 140? Oh no, let's rock that bastard all over again.
3: We gotta kick him down and tell him our name. That's the mission, Junkies. We're all Junkies now, people. Together, let's get this thing done.
0: Now, let's rejoin our regularly scheduled podcast.